Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. So this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley, and I wanted to tell you about their grass-fed organ complex, which is like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste or cooking for that matter. Grass-fed organ complex contains not one, but three organs from healthy, grass-fed, pasture-raised cows, so you are getting a more diverse array of nutrients. Most other similar products only contain one. It's usually liver, and it's spray-dried at high temperatures. The high temperatures damage the vital nutrients. You see, the ideal way to maintain the fragile nutrients and enzymes that are found in organ meats is to eat them raw. Again, most of us are not going to eat raw liver, so instead, Paleo Valley gently freeze-dries the organs in order to preserve as many of these nutrients as possible. You see, liver was coveted by our ancestors. When they killed an animal, they would go right for the liver or the heart first. Liver is considered the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. It's full of B vitamins, vitamin A, and minerals. You have heart. Again, heart was coveted as well. It's super rich in coenzyme Q10, which is so important for great energy and mental clarity. And then you also have the kidney that's in this organ complex, and that's very rich in selenium, which is great for the immune system. So when I think about the organ complex, I think about nutrients like B vitamins, B12, vitamin B2, vitamin A. You also have coenzyme Q10, you have selenium, zinc, copper. This is gonna really support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune system, as well as good, healthy skin. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers for 15% off. Check this out today. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You guys have really enjoyed these Q&A sessions. And so we've got another one coming back for you. We're getting so many great questions from you guys on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. If you're not following me, just look for me, Dr. David Jockers, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can ask your questions. We do our best to try to answer every question that everybody asks. And many of them end up making it on our podcast where we can actually address them just like we are today. And Today, I've got Hampton Young with me. He is a rock star health coach, works with people all over the country through our website, drjockers.com. And some of you guys have heard Hampton on uh, previous podcasts, but he loves ancestral health. He loves Chinese medicine. He loves herbology. He loves functional medicine, functional nutrition, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. So he and I are going to do our best to go through some of your most pressing questions. We're going to talk about gallbladder and bile health. We're going to talk about long COVID and how to really address that. We're going to talk about what else? Uh, emphysema, right? So we're going to talk about some things to do with emphysema. We're going to talk about Hashimoto's a little bit. 
um, edema in your legs. So we've got some good topics that we're going to go through. So Hampton, uh, why don't we go ahead and get started here? Great. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. So we'll start out with, uh, let's see, questions. we'll start with Instagram questions. So we'll start with Jin. Jin asks, what are the worst foods for gallbladder slash bile health? Yeah, so really great question. We need good thin bile in order to flow out of the liver, right? So liver actually produces bile. Everybody thinks it's the gallbladder, but the gallbladder is really a storage unit for bile. And so that's important because if we have a large meal with a lot of fat, we need extra bile to be pushed out of the gallbladder and into the intestines. And bile is an emulsifier. So it helps break down fatty acids. And on top of that, it also is antimicrobial. It actually helps restore a alkaline pH in the small intestine because the, the stomach acid is of course very, very acidic. It moves into the small intestine. We need an alkaline environment that triggers bile to help create an alkaline environment along with bicarbonate from the pancreas. And if we aren't producing bile well, we, we're not going to digest fat effectively. We're not going to digest fat soluble nutrients like vitamin A, D, E, vitamin K. Um, we're not going to um, sterilize our small intestine, meaning kill off uh, any sort of overgrowth of bacteria, fungus, different things like that. And so we're going to be more predisposed to conditions like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and fungal overgrowth in our small intestine. And we're not going to digest our food effectively. So we really need good bile flow. And again, bile is made in the liver, flows, you know, is stored in the gallbladder. So what kind of foods are going to be problematic there? Of course, any of your processed foods like sugars, um, bad fats, so your, your processed vegetable oils, uh, corn oil, soybean, safflower, cottonseed, peanut oil, right? All those seed oils, really, really bad for bioflow. Um, also, you know, hydrogenated oils, really, really bad stuff. Toxins in general, so pesticides, herbicides, things like that. You know, we definitely want to minimize and limit our exposure to any of those types of things. Now, Outside of that, keeping our blood sugar stable is really, really important. That's a very good, important thing. And then any sort of food allergies we might have or sensitivities, and these could even be to healthy foods. In fact, um, you know, in 1968, Dr. J.C. Brenneman published a paper, and I'm reading from a great article we have on gallstones. If you guys actually want to check this out, we have a great article on gallstones, a lot of great articles on drjockers.com, on bile different things like that. But this is really interesting because Dr. Brenneman published a paper in the Journal of the Annals of Allergy in 1968. He was able to relieve the symptoms associated with gallstones in 100% of the subjects with a one-week elimination diet. So he put all his subjects on a one-week elimination diet, and then you know they, they, they felt significantly better. And then he added the foods back into the diet and the symptoms returned. The most common foods these individuals were reacting to included eggs. 93% of the time, people were reacting to eggs. So what I would say is, you know, eggs are rich in choline. Choline is a, a critical bile salt, actually, right? Actually has nutrients that are actually really good for bile flow. However, so I say that to say that eggs themselves are not going to cause bile problems. However, if you do have gallstones, based on Dr. Brenneman's work, you may very well be reacting to eggs. So that would be a good one to eliminate and see if you notice improvement. Pork, 
64% of the time people are reacting to pork and onions 52% of the time. By removing those foods, people saw relief from their symptoms. So again, if you're dealing with gallstones, not a bad idea to obviously take out all the processed foods and then remove those three particular foods. That would be a good idea. On top of that, I would probably say, you know, things like maybe some things like chocolate, uh, maybe a good idea to remove kind of a concentrated long chain saturated fat like that uh, might be good to remove or minimize as well. Um, so that's where I would go with that. And uh, Hampton, can you go into some of the best biohealthy foods? Sure. Yeah. Um, biohealthy foods, we would really want to support. Um, I love sprouts. Sprouts are so powerful. You're getting enzymes, chlorophyll, minerals. They're excellent for the liver, giving the raw building blocks to really help break down toxins that go into the liver and help get them out through the, the various phases of liver detox. Um, green leafy vegetables, quality fat sources like olive oil, avocado, some pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, hemp seeds, some of these, these fats, um, grass-fed ghee and butter, phenomenal you know, fat sources for the liver and the gallbladder, um, quality clean protein sources. It's really important. The liver needs uh, amino acids and protein to actually perform uh, detoxification functions. So those are the, getting quali quality and adequate protein um, in your context is really important. Um, there's a lot of pretty much any herb that's bitter, like um, you got dandelion, you've got um, burdock, you've got milk thistle. These herbs are phenomenal for helping just bile flow, helping the liver perform its detoxification functions, um, cleaning the blood out as well. And then you've got parsley, you've got cilantro. These are just good um, blood cleansing type herbs loaded with minerals as well. Um, so those are some, some great foods to to prioritize um, for, for gallbladder and, and bile production and health. Um, one food, what they're asking is, what are the worst foods? One food I thought of when you were listing off all the hydrogenated and processed stuff, I thought about uh, probably the worst food I can think of is going to the fair and getting that huge fried um, elephant ear and then it's like dipped in oil and then they like fry bacon around it and it's just like you're getting the, the, the screwed up fats the sugars the, the gluten and like the burnt charred uh, meat like that's just the worst combo your liver is just tanked with that kind of stuff so obviously that goes without saying you don't want to indulge in those things very often if if ever <laughs> but that that's the food that popped in my mind when you mentioned that. So oh, totally, um, yeah. Those rancid yeah. fats, the oh, acrylamide man. from the damaged Gosh, proteins yes, and carbohydrates. Yes. Yeah, just massive oh, everything. Reactive. And yeah. one last point I would share on this is, um, I think by now we all know the low fat deal. That's not healthy. That's not good specifically for liver gallbladder. A lot of people actually had gallbladder like attacks get triggered from eating low fat for so many years because the, the liver and the gallbladder just got dysfunctional and it didn't have adequate bile and it, it just like went into like a spasm sometimes. And so that's one thing. And then I'd say also just, you know, as you know, you're reading about intermittent fasting, one meal a day for some people, high fat, et cetera. Um, just take your time in, uh, you know, working with a, a you know, coach like myself, um, it's helpful because just jumping into one meal a day, high fat, actually your gallbladder might not be ready for that. And so that high bolus of fat actually might uh, just bog you down and might actually go, you might go in reverse, even though you think you're doing something phenomenal. So just taking your time and having some coaching and kind of finding where you're at can be helpful before just maybe 
piling on everything all at once. I think that's, that could be helpful too. So, yeah, I think that's super helpful. And just reiterating some of the best foods you talked about, bitter herbs, right? Dandelion, parsley, cilantro, arugula, ginger, you know, just chewing on Mm. some ginger root or ginger tea can be really helpful. You can find like dandelion tea, herbal teas, you know, dandelion tea. A lot of times if you go in and you look for like an organic detox tea, they have a lot of these kinds of herbs in them. Mm-hmm. Licorice can be helpful. Um, you know, so these kinds of teas can be really helpful for thinning that bile, supporting yeah. it. And then I would add also consuming um, actually grass-fed beef liver or chicken liver, right? And so from a sustainably raised animal, actually eating the actual organ itself yep. has got a lot of powerful nutrition right? Powerful nutrients that really support um, good liver, good bile health, good bile flow. So, uh, so that would be another great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into the next question. So our next question is from Enith and she asked what treatment methods for our, what are treatment methods for long haul COVID? Yeah. Long haul COVID is, you know, unfortunately all too common that people, get this viral infection, it really wears down their system, they get massive inflammation, they stop the viral replication. However, they're still in this kind of massively inflamed um, state, and they just never get their energy back. And in functional medicine, we understand this as, you know, basically the cell danger response, where the cells themselves feel threatened by this infection, and therefore they stop producing energy the way that they're supposed to, the mitochondria within them stop producing energy and they actually increase, they ramp up oxidative stress. So they're in a defense state. And so we actually need to show them that we're in a healthy environment so they can go back into an energy producing state. So a couple of things that I'm I'm big on, making sure that you're really trying to optimize your circadian rhythm. I know you're big on that as well, Hampton. It's one of the foundational strategies, getting out early in the day, getting some movement in, right? Even if you're tired, you're feeling exhausted, just getting some movement in, just doing a little bit of walking, um, trying to ground your body barefoot on grass, dirt, sand, trying to get good sun exposure. You know, as it's getting warmer out now, trying to get out and do some sunbathing. Obviously you don't want to get burnt, but you know, doing some responsible sunbathing where you're really getting a good, good amount of quality sunshine on your eyes, your body, your skin, as much of your skin as possible. Um, that's going to be so important for your circadian rhythm, doing that during the day, ideally earlier in the day. Um, and, uh, you know, in the evening, obviously you can get out, you know, take a walk, um, you know, around sunset. That's actually really good for your body as well. There's red light that's being released and, uh, infrared light. That's really good for your body, good for your circadian rhythm. And then trying to get, you know, to bed on time and making sure that you block out blue light at night, right? So making sure that your lights are dimmed, you've got orange light on, that's more like a candlelight or firelight. Um, that's super important, wearing an eye mask at night, keeping your room cool, you know, just creating a, the the right type of environment for good sleep is, is critical um, to help you recover. So, you know, that would kind of be one of the foundational things. And then outside of that, obviously really doing your best to stabilize your blood sugar with good nutrition and good diet um, is very helpful. Intermittent fasting has been shown to be very helpful for people with long COVID. So doing something like, you know, you could start if you're, you, if you're new to intermittent fasting, doing like a 12 hour overnight fast from your last meal to your first meal, 7 PM, let's say to 7 AM, and then kind of pushing it out slowly, like nine, you know, eating at 9 AM or 11 AM, trying to get into kind of that 16, eight range can be kind of a healthy stressor on the mitochondria 
just making sure you're getting enough calories during your eating window is super important. And then, um, you know, some key nutrients, right? Uh, th that can be helpful. Vitamin D, of course. So if you're in the sun, you should be getting plenty of vitamin D. Um, that's critical. So making sure you're getting good quality vitamin D and optimizing your vitamin D. Um, I would also say magnesium is really important. And that's very important for converting the inactive form of vitamin D into the active form of vitamin D. So magnesium is super critical. Um, you know, and really almost the same things that we recommended for antiviral protection, things like resveratrol, quercetin, you know, we know quercetin is a mast cell stabilizer. And a lot of times people's immune systems are just going haywire after, you know, post-infection. And so quercetin is really good for helping balance that resveratrol as well is really good as a, uh, uh, anti-inflammatory, you know, it reduces inflammation, but it also helps to activate the mitochondria, right? It activates these sirtuin pathways, which are associated with longevity, anti-aging, and kind of reawakening the mitochondria. CoQ10, I've seen that be very helpful for people, um, like an ubiquinol, kind of an activated form of CoQ10, very helpful for people that are struggling with fatigue, post-viral fatigue. So that's huge. Um, and I know I can think of a lot of other things. Hampton, why don't you uh, take sure. it from there? What's on your mind with this? Yeah. Well, you know, I think about, I'll just lead off with some more, some products, supplements, herbs. One herb I really like is astragalus. It's mm -hmm. a great adaptogenic immune support. Um, just really helps the white blood cells uh, specifically build resilience and, and utilize creating energy and regulation of immunoglobulins and, you know, natural killer cells and macrophages and all of what they do. So it's just a great herb for overall tonifying and strengthening the immune system, particularly when this is something that's kind of chronic and going on and on. Um, so I really like astragalus for that. Like you mentioned vitamins. Uh, I like the trio A, D, and K because they all work together and getting those optimized is really important. So maybe look at maybe potentially doing a, a NutriVal test, a SpectraCell test to really see where those nutrient levels are at um, because that could be something that you're just deficient in chronically and really repleting those can do a lot. Um, as Dr. Jockers mentioned, zinc copper balance. So we talk about a lot, that's really important as well. Um, and if you're having, you know, we don't have a lot of context here, this is general statements, but for excessive mucus in the upper respiratory tract and in acetylcysteine is something mm. that helps kind of dry out and, and helps better regulate um, excessive mu mucus production and fluid retention in the respiratory tract. Uh, and then I, I agree with you again. I mean, COVID, long COVID folks that were most affected have, you know, 80 to 90% have some type of comorbidity and that's going to be your blood, blood sugar, blood pressure, um, these metabolic dysfunctions, right? So prioritizing blood sugar regulation through anti-inflammatory diet, through, you know, really focusing on, there's a lot of new stuff coming out about, you know, the gut and the tie with COVID, but we know, I mean, of course, the gut is protecting the lymphatic immune tissue. So really strengthening the gut and really just looking at, I mean, honestly, a lot of us before we got, you know, COVID and then it's kind of lagging on, just taking a, a good, honest look of taking inventory, you know, how is my gut health? What, what foods do I normally do? What are my habits and patterns that are that are creating this metabolic mismatch and dysfunction and really just going doubling down on those basics to really fortify um, because there's a reason why the body is still not able to kind of work through and kick um, this viral exposure for a long period of time. So um, 
I wouldn't go into too many complicated acute situations, but I think overall those foundations right there are really what we want to build back up and actually go yeah. to a better place moving forward um, that there might not have been, you know, prior to uh, getting COVID. So yeah, would, super key. And, you know, some other nutrients that came to mind, zinc, of course, you know, when we yeah. know that zinc is really critical for reducing viral replication. And so um, when you have a virus like that, it just eats up your zinc, right? You're, you're, you just deplete zinc. So taking zinc with your quercetin, because quercetin is a zinc ionophore, getting zinc into the cells more effectively, right? So really, really helps with that. So um, that's helpful. Probiotics as well, just supporting your gut. So yeah. people that were not responding well to COVID, like you mentioned, they have blood sugar dysregulation, but they also have leaky gut. And mm -hmm. um, when you have a viral infection, naturally your gut becomes more permeable as well. And, uh, and therefore, you know, really getting that gut under control is super important. Fasting, intermittent fasting will help with that. Probiotics, perhaps you may need some other gut support. You know, if you're really struggling with long COVID, I mean, we can, we can talk about all different types of things, right? Some people are seeing results with melatonin. There's a lot of different things that we could talk about. But really what I would do is try to dial in your lifestyle, your circadian rhythm, get your diet under control, start getting some movement in. And if you're not seeing changes and you're not seeing improvements here, I would definitely reach out to one of our functional health coaches like Hampton because every case is unique and different. And so, um, you know, we don't want to just tell you to take 20 different supplements and, uh, and leave it at that. But instead, we want to really dial in and personalize a protocol for you. And so even though CoQ10 can be really helpful, um, vitamin D, zinc, a lot of these things that we mentioned, many of you guys out there would, would really benefit from these. We don't know for sure, right? And so that's where coaching, looking at labs, getting some personalization with it um, will really, really help you. So if you're out there, you're struggling with long COVID, you know anybody, your family member, uh, friend that's struggling with this, you want to get this under control, right? It's only going to get worse, unfortunately, if you don't take action with your health. The inflammation is going to get worse. It's going to lead into, you know, other problems. And so uh, getting that under control, getting a personalized plan, uh, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, excellent. All right, we're going to jump into uh, Facebook questions. And Leanne asks, can I take magnesium if I have Hashimoto's? Yeah, really great question. And the answer is absolutely. Magnesium is not contraindicated for a condition like Hashimoto's. And we know that Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition, autoimmune hypothyroidism, where the immune system itself attacks the thyroid gland, in particular, a couple of different enzymes like thyroperoxidase and uh, the thyroglobulin backbone of, of thyroid hormone. Um, it attacks these and causes low, uh, basically a lower amount of thyroid hormone to be produced. And by the time you're diagnosed with Hashimoto's, there's been pretty significant damage to the thyroid gland itself. Oftentimes there's nodules and scar tissue on the thyroid gland. Um, and so it is a very serious condition and very underdiagnosed condition. A lot of people are out there with Hashimoto's. They don't know they have Hashimoto's. And so when you have Hashimoto's, you know, typically you're, you're, feeling fatigued. So that's one of the most common symptoms, um, brain fog, constipation, feeling cold often. And, um, oftentimes, you know, you'll have hair loss, particularly one of the things we look at is the outer third of the eyebrows, kind of one of the first areas where people start to lose hair is the outer third of the eyebrows. So we start to look at that and there's many other symptoms, you know, that are associated with Hashimoto's, but those are the most common. 
And magnesium is critical for a number of things. Obviously, it helps, you know, helps the brain, it helps the immune system. And one of the key ways it helps the immune system is it helps take the inactive form of vitamin D and converts it into the active form of vitamin D. And we know that autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's very much associated with vitamin D deficiency, or at least in a lower level of active vitamin D interacting at the cell. And so when we're trying to create active vitamin D and have it interact at the cell, we really need magnesium. And vitamin D and magnesium really work well together because the more sufficient we are with vitamin D, the better our absorption is of magnesium from the intestinal tract. So very much so, most likely if you have Hashimoto's and you haven't been supplementing with vitamin D and doing a lot to get out in the sun, you are vitamin D deficient and you're probably not even absorbing magnesium well. So absolutely, magnesium can be really helpful and coupling that with vitamin D can be you know, a game changer for somebody with Hashimoto's. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I add in. I mean, magnesium is such a linchpin in so many metabolic functions in the body, and of course, activating vitamin D. But also, we're looking at Hashimoto's thyroid dysregulation. So we need uh, T4 conversion in T3, and magnesium once again comes in in the liver, and it's necessary for that conversion. So that's another you know pillar that you definitely want working for you. So again, magnesium, you need it. We all need it, regardless what you know condition you may or may not have. And uh, I would just stress again, getting some testing to see what are your nutrient levels? Because we could say it does all these things and it does, but how much do you have on board? What form are you taking or not taking? These things matter as well um, to really get you, you know, feeling better and get results and add this. This is one powerful piece of the equation um, for supporting Hashimoto. So that's, that's what I would add. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about C60 Purple Power. It is one of my new favorite supplements, and it's really the most powerful antioxidant that I've found to help lift the oxidative burden at the cellular level. It basically acts like a free radical sponge that helps your body heal itself by optimizing mitochondrial efficiency. You see, your mitochondria will produce energy within all the cells. The healthier your mitochondria function, the healthier you are gonna function. Taking C60 has been shown to help promote longevity, fight inflammation, boost immune function, support healthy aging, healthy joints, and increase your energy and mental clarity naturally. My favorite brand of C60 is C60 Purple Power, which offers 99.99% pure sublimated carbon 60 that's never been exposed to solvents and it's delivered in 100% certified organic oils. They've got it in avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, MCT coconut oil, and they also have some unique flavors like cinnamon and orange flavored. It's amazing, you guys will love it. Most users notice an increase in energy and mental clarity after 30 days of daily use. Just take a teaspoon a day and you can add it into your routine whenever it's most convenient. Guys, to check out C60 Purple Power, go to shopc60.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers, just my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S at checkout for 15% off. Again, that's shopc60.com forward slash jockers. Use the coupon code jockers at checkout for 15% off today. So let's, let's go, go to the next. Yeah. 
Okay, yep. So Nicole asks, my son is now six, has, has been fatigued and pale for years. I've recently had his blood work done by our traditional MD and his red blood cells were normal, but two of his white blood cells were low. What does this mean? Yeah, so if they were flagged low, if your white blood cells are flagged low by a you know traditional medical doctor, it's pretty significant. And what that tells me is that you know, and there's a number of reasons why this could be, but most likely, the most common reason why white blood cells would be low is some sort of chronic infection. And especially, you know, she she described him as kind of feeling pale. How did she describe it? Like pale and tired, I think, or yeah, fatigued and pale fatigued. for years. Yeah, fatigued right. and pale for years. So I mean, you know, you you definitely start thinking anemia, right? Some sort of like um you know, he's not getting enough iron, producing enough blood cells, especially with the pale, right? Mm -hmm. And even though his red blood cells were normal, he may be trending towards anemia. I'd have to see the labs. However, you know, we don't know that for sure. So that's just kind of a guess. Um, but with the white blood cells low, we know that his immune system has been compromised, okay? And, you know, there, there are several conditions that could be related to that, but most likely there has been a chronic infection that has worn down his system over the years. And this is why he's exhausted. His body is in defense mode again, right? His mitochondria aren't working well. They're in defense mode. So with this, I would, I would definitely recommend working with a functional practitioner to really better understand what those labs are saying, get some additional labs to look at, you know, what sort of infections, you know, a lot of times these are gut infections like, um, parasites and things like that, that can help, you know, that, that have been there for a while that have really worn down the immune system caused, uh, you know, a uh, malabsorption, right? You also, your immune cells are proteins, right? So if you're not absorbing protein, well, that can also lead to a lower production of blood cells. And usually <clears throat> the reason for poor protein absorption, um, assuming he's eating enough protein or assuming he's eating any protein, right? If he's on an all rice diet, that could be an issue, right? But I doubt he is. Um, if, if she's on Facebook, right, most likely she's got access to foods that are going to create a complete protein. Um, so she's, he's probably consuming enough protein, but he may not be absorbing enough protein. And that's where parasites, right, B bacterial overgrowth, different things like that can come in. So, you know, getting the right testing can be really helpful to better understand what's happening here with this six-year-old. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's, I think that the diet piece sounds to me like we, I'd love to know more, right? We don't have any information there, but it's like, I think that you hit the nail on the head with like, what is he eating? Is he getting enough quality protein? Like, is he producing stomach acid? Is he eating way too much processed food and sugar? And what is his diet? I mean, cause that's, kids are so resilient and I mean, having this for years, there's, there's, he's not getting something nutritionally. It's highly, highly likely. And, and we need to find out what are the irritants going in and what are the, what's deficient that's not coming in. And I think that's could, would really be the place to start to kind of dig deeper and find out um, those yeah, things. And 100%. we have a lot of great resources on drjockers.com, uh, Nicole. So I encourage you to check some of those out um, for just adequate nutrition, gut health, stomach acid, protein. <laughs> system support. There's lots of great information there um, as well. So I would encourage you to reach reach out um, to the website or health coaching uh, for that matter. Um, let's see. Karen asked, what 
Uh, with spring coming up, what can I do to reverse or reduce allergy symptoms naturally? Yeah, <clears throat> really great question. So allergies, uh, you know, people that are having allergies to pollen, weeds, different things like that. Um, you know, in the spring, there's, there's, there's basically, you know, uh, different things in each season um, that, the, that different individuals are going to be exposed to. But obviously, you know, this is an unwanted immune response. And typically, it's related to um, histamine intolerance or an inability to break down histamines effectively in the body. And, you know, different individuals are going to be exposed to this. And so usually, there's a gut health component to it. So supporting your gut health with things like probiotics, obviously getting your diet dialed in, right? Trying to do your best to take out sugars, processed foods, things like that. Consuming foods that you feel good with, with your gut, right? That help you go number two, uh, more effectively. If you're eating things and you feel like, you know, these kinds of things are contributing to constipation, um, then you'd want to avoid those. And, you know, a lot of people will just throw out blanket things like eat more fiber, but what I've found, I know you have as well, Hampton, is for some people eating more fiber is very helpful. And then for other people eating more fiber uh, is disastrous, right? It makes them significantly worse. And so you got to kind of find out the fiber tolerance that your body has and what we call the FODMAP tolerance. People that are on a higher FODMAP diet, oftentimes people with allergies don't do well with these higher FODMAP foods, which are healthy foods, things like, you know, asparagus and broccoli and cauliflower and stuff like that. Some people don't metabolize these well. They end up causing a bacterial overgrowth in the system. And the way the immune system reacts is it's, it's not able to break down histamine and overreacts to histamine. And so we end up with more allergic, like, you know, allergy types of symptoms. So finding the right diet that works for you is critical. You know, you may need to work with a functional nutrition coach, right? Like Hampton, that you can ask questions to that can have you do different questionnaires and different diet trials to kind of figure out what is going to work best for you there. So that's critical. Um, supporting your gut microbiome probiotics is just kind of like, you know, a blanket thing that I'll say. Although some people respond really well to probiotics, some people don't, at least not at first, until they deweed or remove some of the bad stuff out of there, then, you know, layering in some probiotics can be really, really helpful for those people. Um, but, yeah. you know, so just a kind of a blanket statement there. And then outside of that, things like vitamin C and quercetin, you know, we mentioned quercetin with, with long COVID. Um, those things have been shown to be very helpful for people, vitamin C and quercetin, um, Proteolytic enzymes can be really, really helpful. These are enzymes that you take away from meals. You know, you take enzymes with meals, they act like digestive enzymes. These are protein degrading enzymes you take away from meals, things like bromelain and um, trypsin and different things like that. Um, and these go in and they break down circulating proteins, right? So they're going to break down some of the excess immune cells and cytokines that are being released different inflammatory proteins that are being released to reduce that unwanted immune response, right? So proteolytic enzymes can be really helpful. Resveratrol is actually very good uh, as well. We mentioned that again with long COVID. So those are very helpful things. And also um, immunoglobulins, right? Doing some different immunoglobulins can be helpful as well, right? Like bovine serum immunoglob immunoglobulins, right? We have a couple different ones like mega IgG, on our website, um, we have a product called Histo Response, which is kind of a combination of uh, histamine 
degrading probiotics as well as um, this immunoglobulin, right? That can help to grab, bind to, uh, to different bacteria and different microbes, different unwanted microbes in the gut, as well as different inflammatory compounds in the gut and help sweep them out of the system. So those are things that can be helpful, um, you know, and, and just really working on your foundation is key to start. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, some additional things you can do kind of like in a homeopathic style. I don't know your lifestyle or, or any context here, but if you're not, you don't get outdoors much. A lot of times if you're very, you're, you're indoors most of the year and then it's like, you know, full pollen bloom hits. And then the little bit you get outside, it's just like you get slammed with that stuff. I mean, this will help you in many other areas, but just getting small increments of some more outdoors time will actually give your system a little bit of that stimulus of the microbial action that's in the air. And actually your body will be able to adapt slowly and get a little bit, it'll be able to produce some resilience as you get small micro amounts of exposure to some of the pollens. Of course, we're not saying that's going to just be the whole um, shebang there, but that's going to just still help give your body a little bit of resilience through some exposure you know, small amounts, that could be something. Of course, local raw honey and small amounts can be helpful. Another kind of um, homeopathic type remedy um, can be supportive. And then, yeah, maybe do uh, a low FODMAP, kind of lower histamine type diet for the next couple months or month to kind of lead into, um, you know, this allergy season in, yeah. in your area and see. If yeah. And what are some of the higher histamine foods that people should look out for? Um, so higher histamine foods would be like fermented foods, uh, like, you know, even fermented, um, vinegar based apple cider vinegars, white, white rice, wine vinegars, um, just really a lot of any, any fermented food, fermented veggies. A lot of times if you have high histamine, those aren't necessarily the best in that context, smoked foods, smoked meats, um, some fruits like avocado, um, can, can it's kind of borderline, uh, yeah. banana, some of these things. Um, these products can be high histamine and, and kind of trigger. And these are, these are healthy foods, but for some individuals, they're right. reacting to them. And so this is, we're kind of finding out a, a diet trial, right? Trying something, you know, for maybe two weeks and just seeing how your body responds. You know, you mentioned how the one week diet trial made such a big difference for those people with gallstones, right? right? So just experimenting with some of these, you know, we have a um, low histamine diet. If you look up histamine on drjockers.com, goes through the high histamine foods. And you could try just taking these foods out or a low FODMAP diet. Try taking these out. There's a lot of good research that people see results when they do it. So you may or may not, but it's something good to try. And here's another interesting thing too, is if you are noticing a lot of your allergy symptoms all year round, we got to be thinking something like household molds, Right things like that. So that's something that you need to consider now, different seasons, right? If it's typically like, let's say March through maybe mid May where the symptoms are worse, that's kind of when you really notice the aggravation that is related to tree pollen. If your symptoms really kick up during the summertime, that is more of the grass, right? So you're, you're actually having more of a reaction to the grass and the compounds the, 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 that are coming out of the grasses. And then in the fall, it's more of the weeds, right? So you can kind of see what you're reacting to based on, you know, what season that we're in. But again, if it's something that you're kind of experiencing, like congestion year round, we also have to think about household molds. So that's something to consider there too. Yeah. One last thing on this. Uh, 
added value, Karen. Um, there's a product called uh, Ion Biome, mm-hmm. and uh, we have that on the Dr. Jocker store. And it's a, it's a really cool product. It's essentially the, a communication network for your cells and the bacteria to communicate. So it's kind of like the phone line. And so it's a, a nasal application and you spray that into the beginning of the, the sinus um, uh, track right here. And so it basically allows any kind of congestion and, and any kind of imbalance in, in bacteria that are conjugating in the sinus cavity to effectively communicate and re, rebalance and reorganize um, more effectively so that's a product that a lot of people have gotten support and results from that have had chronic sinus for a long time and uh, this seems to really support that through communication yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah that that is great and then also really working on better being a better nasal breather as well so many people are breathing right out of their nose and i get it if you're congested but doing your best to kind of open up those pathways using something like the ion biome um you know neti pots right getting some saline and some neti pots to kind of clear things out and then um, doing your best to try to intentionally breathe out of your nose. Like one thing I actually do at night is I will put tape over my mouth and that forces me to be a nasal breather. And that actually increases nasal nitric oxide, which improves uh, circulation, oxygen delivery into your brain will help you sleep more effectively and helps actually prevent against congestion, right? It creates a better microbiome in your nasal cavity. So it can work really well with something like the ion biome, uh, or like a saline rinse in your, in your nose, like those kind of, that, yeah. that trio can be really, really helpful for reestablishing, um, a healthy, healthy nasal sinuses and, um, a, a nasal microbiome. So that's helpful. And then one thing we of course have to talk about is vitamin D, right? So doing your best to optimize your vitamin D on the front end will help you, um, have a more tame immune response, right? So a more balanced immune response when you are exposed to these environmental agents and also glutathione, right? And we have mentioned that with like N-acetylcysteine. Some people need a little bit more glutathione, especially if you've been exposed to toxins or if you have just, um, you know, come out of a bad bout with COVID or the flu or something like that, you may need uh, an extra boost of, um, you know, N-acetylcysteine, right? And you talked about, you know, even N-acetylcysteine, the cysteine molecule, I mean, we could talk all day about this, this topic, but the cysteine molecule itself um, is, is critical for the production of glutathione. And so most people need more of that cysteine to produce glutathione, but NAC also is mucolytic, right? So it helps to reduce mucus buildup, which is obviously can be related to congestion. So NAC, oftentimes when you find like in our, our product allergy defense on our store, we have NAC in there, right? Which boosts glutathione. We have quercetin in there. We have stinging nettle, um, which is another agent that really helps with balancing the immune system, proteolytic enzymes that are in there. So vitamin C. So these are all great things to help kind of balance a histamine response, balance out the immune system and uh, help help support you during the seasons. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to jump into YouTube questions. Little voice on YouTube asks, Best diet strategy supplements for emphysema. Emphysema. So most of the time, the root cause of emphysema is long-term smoking. And uh, so, you know, obviously the first step is, of course, you know, doing your best to, to stop smoking, trying to really improve your air quality as well, right? So if you're in a moldy home, you're getting a really good air purifier, getting rid of, getting out of any sort of moldy environment um, is going to be super key. I'm also big on, you know, nebulizing 
glutathione for damaged lungs. So we have a, a reduced glutathione that's specifically made for nebulizing. You don't want to nebulize just any form of glutathione. So there's a, a specific form um, that we have on our website. If you just look up uh, reduced glutathione uh, on drjockers.com on our store, you just open this capsule in a tiny bit of like saline or distilled water, and you can nebulize that. And it gets that glutathione deep into those lung tissues where it's going to help support the healing and regeneration process of that damaged lung tissue. So that's key. Outside of that, just from a nutrition perspective, all the things we've been talking about, really stabilizing our blood sugar um, is going to be critical. You know, if you can get into the state of ketosis, that's going to be helpful because ketosis is associated with, um, you know, higher levels of healing inside of your body, right? So your body's doing higher levels of healing and also keeps the immune, the inflammation levels down and under control. So, you know, lots of good fats, healthy proteins, lots of high quality phytonutrients from things like berries, dark green leafies, herbs, things like that. Those would be the best nutrition strategies that I would follow from a supplement perspective. You know, really a lot of things we talked about already, vitamin D, you know, as a foundation, I think is so critical there. Um, you know, I would consider doing things like uh, curcumin, which is really powerful for keeping inflammation under control. Um, so curcumin or turmeric, uh, very, very helpful here. Um, things to support glutathione production, NAC, or some sort of like an acetylated glutathione or um, a liposomal glutathione. Because by the time somebody has emphysema, their glutathione levels are completely shot. And so we need to really support glutathione because it's the body's master antioxidant. It's going to help tame the immune system. And it's going to help our body to heal at a deeper cellular level. So those would be some things that, you know, come off just, you know, right off the top of, off my head. How about you, Hampton? Yeah, I, I'm right in line with that. I think about just a diet rich in fruits and vegetables to get all the polyphenols and the phytochemicals and, and just the synergy between all of them working together. Uh, flavonoids and, and rutins and, and everything. And I think um, about vitamin C, E, and selenium like combined mm -hmm. together are powerful antioxidants all in themselves. But when you add them together, there's some, been some cool research just looking at um, vitamin E's ability to recycle vitamin C in, in the cell. And then selenium is kind of uh, help boost vitamin E. So they all work really hand in hand. And um, I think I read some research a long time ago just with smoking particularly and how vitamin C and E really showed a lot of significant support when supplemented um, acutely, you know, for within that context. So I'd say those could be some good additional supplements to add in um, specifically if you're, if you still are smoking as well as, as well as everything else you mentioned could definitely support. Yeah, totally. You know, obviously try to do your best to, you know, avoid alcohol, right. Avoid yeah. other uh, toxic agents that are damaging to the body. And I would do that nebulizing, nebulize that glutathione. Yeah. I mean, I would do that three times a day for like yeah. 10, 15, yeah. 20 minutes, three times a day. I think that's a great protocol, you know, um, getting outside, getting sun, sun exposure, breathing in fresh mm -hmm. air, you know, things like that. Super helpful. Um, you know, super supportive for your body. Yeah. And even breathe, some deep breathing exercises, I yeah. think stacked with the nebulizer, that'd be a great, you know, one, two, you're rehabilitating with getting the glutathione uptake in the lungs, and then you're helping contract and it, using the lungs, you know, contracting like a muscle, you know, and, and regenerating and kind of putting in again, that little bit of stressor to help create strength and resilience and healing to stimulate that healing response. I think that could be a nice combo. Yeah.
Um, all right, let's. All right, I think on. we got time for one more. One more. All right. Well, this is a cool one. How to stimulate stem cells through fasting and keto? Yeah, stimulating stem cells, powerful. So stem cells we know are young embryonic cells that are extremely stress resilient. And the more stress resilient cells we have in our body, the healthier we're going to be, the more resilient we're going to be to the stressors that we face in our daily environment. And so many people have what we call senescent cells, right? These are older cells that are damaged, they're dysfunctional, and they're kind of gone rogue. They're not really listening to the main messages of the body, and they're not functioning the way that they should. And they can be extremely dangerous for our body. If there are too many senescent cells in an organ, that organ is not going to function the way that it should. There are too many senescent cells in our immune system. We're going to have higher levels of inflammation because these things are just sputtering out cytokines and different inflammatory agents, creating more inflammation, targeting more tissues like autoimmunity uh, in the body. And so how do we um, get rid of these senescent cells? You know, this is a question we should ask because when we get rid of the senescent cells, our body backs it up by now producing these younger embryonic stem cells. And so, you know, really the best way to do this is, um, you know, so, several different things. Well, number one would be intermittent fasting, right? Getting our body in, in a state of ketosis and intermittent fasting. And so when we start doing intermittent fasting, you know, we start to try to really tighten our, or consolidate our eating window, 16, 18, 20 hour fasting window, let's say, you know, in a, you know, four, six, eight hour eating window, somewhere in there on like a regular basis. And then one day a week doing a little bit of a longer fast, like a 24 hour fast, or possibly even like a 36 or a 40 hour fast will really get us into a state of ketosis. It'll help our body get rid of a lot of these senescent cells and turn up the production of stem cells. Now, you're going to get a higher production of stem cells if you do something like a three to five day water fast. You're going to get a much higher level of you know, killing off of the senescent cells and production of the stem cells. But depending on the individual, you may feel really crappy, uh, like for example, on day three um, and almost like flu-like because your body's getting rid of so many of these cells. You've got so much debris that's, you know, being produced here because your body's um, killing off these cells and you've got all their contents spilling out and you may not be able to really, um, you know, work and do the things that you want to do. So a lot of times people will do some of these longer fasts on a vacation or like, you know, in a, in a healing center or, um, you know, one good strategy I tell people to do is if you are doing that, you know, don't have any pressure, any work pressure, only work if you feel like, you know, you have the mental capacity to do it and get a massage every single day, right? You're not eating food, invest that money that you would normally eat into getting a good massage, gives you something to look forward to. And also it helps actually move the lymph, move things through, obviously hydrating your body really well can be helpful, but doing a lot, a little bit longer fast is one of the most powerful ways. So for a lot of people we're you know, they may be able to do that every quarter, let's say, right? And really drive up stem cell production, uh, killing off these senescent cells. You know, on our, just a regular basis, the way that I practice it is I do a 24-hour fast every single week. And then at the end of that fast, so I'm roughly somewhere 22 to 23 hours fasted, I am working out at a really high intensity, right? Real high intensity exercise, is also stimulates autophagy, where your body breaks down these older damaged cells and cellular, cellular organelles, 
and takes those raw materials and produces newer healthy cells, right? So I do that. And then afterwards, I'll end up breaking that fast. And so the combination of the fast being in ketosis, along with the exercise stressor really helps, uh, again, get rid of these cells and uh, stimulate stem cell production. And then also doing certain nutrients, you know, a lot of these different herbs that we've already talked about, green tea, coffee, for example, just drinking like black coffee in the morning on your fast can actually help with um, stimulating stem cells and get, getting rid of senescent cells. Green tea is also really helpful. Resveratrol, quercetin. So a lot of these herbs are actually little stressors. And when the, when the, when the body's already you know, stressed because it doesn't have enough nutrients coming in from the diet because you're in a fast, now these herbs provide another level of stressor that can help trigger the destruction of these senescent cells. And this is why when you read about, like if you look up curcumin or quercetin and cancer, you'll see, oh, it stimulates apoptosis, cancer cell apoptosis. It's stimulated in this model. Why is that? Because it's actually a stressor that stresses these kind of weaker aberrant cells and uh, ends up leading to their destruction. So you can also couple it with some of these um, these different types of nutrients, right? These senolytics nutrients that kill off senescent cells and help stimulate stem cells. And we have a great article as well on our website. Um, Hampton, what else comes to your mind here? Um, foods, I mean, like, like again, these, these foods that either stimulate stem cell growth and nourishment and production and or some stressor on the body to help provoke it. I think a blueberries is one, green algae, spirulina, corella, bee pollen, like some herbs, ginseng, astragalus, like we've mentioned these, but all of those are just going to be a, just, if you can just get those in throughout the week on, you know, cycle in and just getting the variety is really nice to just help again peppering them in through the diet is going to really help just facilitate all the work that you did. Say if you did a block fast of four or five days, you, you're really going to reinforce and support them. And then if you continue with a one day a week, 24 hour fast, that's a great strategy to just keep, you know, leveraging what you, what your body produced and continue to produce them and, and cycle through them. I think that's a great um, uh, strategy. And I think, the research is showing right around day four, get, if you can make it to day five, it's when you're really going to get that release of the most stem cells um, in, in the fast. So if you can, like Dr. Jocker said, work your way up to getting into a block fast, maybe once a quarter of a four or five day, that's phenomenal because that's really where you're going to really get some, some major stem cell production. So I would totally agree with you in that. Um, and that's, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Doing that longer fast, that block fast, like a five-day fast, mm -hmm. once a quarter, great strategy. And then just on a weekly basis, um, doing like a 16 to 18-hour fast, let's say at least three days a week, depending on, you know, your demographic. If you're, you know, a young menstruating female, there may be certain times like the week before you menstruate where you wouldn't do a deeper intermittent fast. Um, for most men, they can be doing, you know, a 16, 18-hour fast on most days, if not all days. And then one day a week doing something like a 20 to 24 hour, kind of a little bit of a deeper fast um, that week, you know, for just one day um, will really help break down a lot of these senolytic cell, or I'm sorry, these senescent cells and right. uh, help stimulate stem cells just on a, on a kind of a daily basis and uh, keep your body strong, healthy, and stress resilient. So Absolutely. yeah, this has been great. 
Uh, great Q&A session. You guys are always asking fantastic questions. Keep them coming because we're going to do this every single month. I'll have a different health coach. Today it was Hampton. You guys can see how brilliant he is. Uh, he thoroughly enjoys working with people all around the world via phone, Zoom, you know, however you guys can connect and customizing plans for them. And Hampton, any anything more that people need to know about working with you? Yeah, I love working with people. I like getting to the root. I like um, figuring out what your story is, what's the context. Um, you know, there's not a one size fits all. So I love really digging into where are you at? Where do you want to go? What's like, what are some of your vision for your health and how can we get you there most effectively? And how can we create sustainable habits? Cause that's the biggest thing is creating sustainability in lifestyle is what you're going to do every day is how you're going to get the results. It's the small steps with consistency, um, get you where you want to go. So I'm big on that and it's drilling in on the foundations, um, and then getting into more advanced things after you get a real good foundation built. Um, I just want to set you up for the long, the long goal, the long term. So that's kind of my style and how I, I like to work. Um, so I would love, you know, to answer email questions, come check me out on online on drjockers.com under my coaching, coaching tab. Um, I, I look forward to connecting with you that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Hampton. Guys, keep your questions coming. If you haven't given us a five-star review on our podcast, please do that. That helps us reach more people and impact more lives. Thanks so much. And we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Everybody be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.